poppin' the Christian bubble. It is now time for the Cultured Christian Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by independent financial planner Adam Peak. Join us as we provide commentary at the intersection of culture, tech, and faith. And we're back with part two of my conversation with Scott Donnelly. If you missed the first part, you need to go back and watch that one first to get to know Scott a little better, and we have some fun on that episode. But here today in our part two of that conversation, we look at and talk about electric cars. Is it really ready for us to be purchasing yet? And then secondly, we have a long conversation about simulation theory. People actually believe this, that we're living in a simulation. So without further Without further ado, here's part two of my conversation with Scott Donnelly. Last in the tech section, since you're a uh, Detroiter and I'm uh, from uh-huh. Detroit, um, you know, Detroit's known for cars. The yeah. Motor City is one of my favorite uh, names for Detroit. And now we got this thing with electric uh-huh. cars. And Ford, I know, has invested a GM bunch of money. Also. They bought yeah. that uh, old train station and they're doing all that electrical stuff there so what do you think about electric cars do you do you own a tesla are you moving <laughs> no. into uh the electric world no, but yet? I'm, I'm intrigued for sure um i love you know because i love technology i'm interested in in these electric cars and stuff like that i think the biggest issue for me is uh when ford came out with the mach e which is like a it's like a mustang suv it doesn't really look like a mustang but it's mm-hmm. you know it was an all-electric uh, and it was interesting to me. So I kind of looked into that. And then when they came out with this Ford F-150 Lightning, I really got interested. The biggest thing for me that's difficult is the price. Very expensive. I mean, cars are just expensive in general. It's amazing to me, you know, especially if you live in the Detroit area, it's amazing to me how many brand new trucks you see these F one fifties. And then you go and you're like, you know, I want to get a truck and you look at the price <laughs> by the time you get one that's halfway decent, you're 50, $60,000 for a truck. Yeah. And what's, what's that um, in a monthly right. payment, 500, 600 bucks or bucks? something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I can't afford a $700 car payment. Um, so unless I like, you know, sell Dogecoin at a million per share. I don't think I can get one. Um, but basically for me, I'm interested in the technology. The price is a huge hindrance. The other part of it is I've been, I started watching YouTube videos of people who take these electric vehicles and they go on a trip across the country. And I wish I remember the name of this guy, but he does a bunch of them where he'll show, you know, first of all, Tesla's the best at this because they have their own network uh, of charging stations. The problem with Ford and GM and these other people is they don't have their own network. They're partnering with people who are providing these things. And the problem is, let's say you're going to drive from maybe one day you're like, you know what, I'm going to drive from Oregon all the way back to Detroit in my electric vehicle. It'll plan out a trip for you and you've got to stop at all these places because obviously you can't just fill up with gas, right? And you plug into these things and the way it's supposed to work is you plug in, 
you can walk over to the Panera Bread or whatever, have a meal. You come back out, your car's charged enough to make it to the next stop, okay? Well, when this guy did this with the Ford Mach-E and with some other cars, too, that use these different charge point and some of these other people, it would, it would error out. While you're in eating, you'll get a little thing pop up on your phone mm-hmm. and go, yeah, it stopped working. And you're just like, crap. So then you got to, and, and you can also, you end up getting charged a fine. If So like if you were in there eating at Panera and you just got your food, after your, after your car has charged for, and it's done charging. So like after like 10 minutes, they start charging you a fine for staying connected. So if it errors out, they start charging you because you're taking up a spot, right? Because there's going to be other people that want that spot. The chart, the infrastructure for the charging is what's scary to me. It's going to be very difficult. They're going to have to really ramp that up for it to be something that everybody can do. And then the only other thing that I have an issue with is what happens if somehow the entire charging network or you know we get hacked i mean look at what's been happening <laughs> recently we're getting hacked like seeing things are getting yeah. hacked what if the whole charge system in the united states goes down what are we gonna what are we gonna walk everywhere we're we gonna get on our bikes and ride yeah. to work or whatever i mean do you know what i'm saying it's like if horses, there's horses. if you have a combustible engine you go to the gas station and you fill up if your car needs an oil change, you go get an oil change. They just don't have the stuff. And I know they can get there, but I still feel like in the long run, gas is just so much easier. Combustible, combustible engines are just so much easier to use. I think that the battery powered cars yeah. are going to be, they have an uphill battle. Um, I think they can do it, but I still feel like, the the distance that you can travel with one of those needs to go way up and you got to have that infrastructure for the charging it's going to be a huge issue for me those are my caveats i would love one it'd be fun i'd love to drive an electric car that'd be fun yeah we're definitely still in that messy middle and in our lifetime they have come a long way as far as the distance and the teslas i'm seeing i'm like dang like the zero to 60 and yeah. they, they've solved a yeah. lot of the problems but your point is is definitely one of of ever a lot of people have is the distance and and the proprietary because i didn't know that and i don't think most people do unless you're nerds uh, you just assume, well, they plug into the same thing. No. And it's like, no, there's like four different types of, of plugs for those things. And that adds to the complexity of where, where do I find the plug? Is it the right one? And so I think that stuff will hopefully work out in time. You'll, you'll have to get to a point where those things are more like the stations, like a gas station, you can get all three at one station versus, oh, it's only Tesla or it's only GM. You got to have charging stations that are not proprietary or have all the proprietary ones at them. I think that's the way the thing I've been seeing, which is, um, I think a possible 
way forward too is driving into these bays and they basically put a new battery in have you seen those like i think they have those in california it's really expensive but yeah some of these cars now your battery is on the bottom you drive up onto the hoist they pop out the old one put the new one in charge run your card and you're out of there so that eliminates that panera bread waiting or the charge thing i mean you just you get it just like a gas station trading your battery out whenever you need to go yeah. And that, and then that battery goes and gets charged. They mm-hmm. go charge it. And then the next guy comes in. I mean, I really think that's genius. Uh, if they can get that technology, so it's fast, it's a pit stop, you're in and out of there. But now I think it's pretty yeah. expensive and they're charging a yeah, premium. Have to get the price way down, um, but and then you'd have to get all these auto manufacturers to make their cars able to do that very easily. That's the thing too, you're talking about though, is like, I think that Ford and GM should have done the same thing that Tesla did and just had their own charging networks because they don't. They're, they make their char- their cars available available to be charged on different uh, networks that people have already set up, which makes sense in some ways, but some of them are reliable and some of them aren't. Tesla's got, you know, it's like Apple. Tesla's like Apple. They've decided, hey, we're keeping everything Tesla right yeah and i think that was probably pretty smart in the long term oops well and that's again not to get uh you know into (sighs) economics but i think that's why i love that's why i think capitalism however imperfect is the best economic system in the world because not only is tesla making money when they when they build not just the batteries but the chargers the the backup chargers at your house you know the batteries in your garage um all these things in the network but i would argue that that also creates the best end user experience if you own a tesla right now you have the best experience with charging right then if you buy a ford and you have all these different you know pieces to deal with So I think that's definitely one check in the box of, you know, capitalism is the way because they're making money hand over fist, creating this closed network, just like Apple's got trillions of dollars Mm -hmm. in the bank, but it's the best experience for the end user. So I'm willing to pay a premium. People who have that kind of cash, they're dropping it on those Teslas left and right. I mean, I live in this small town, uh, you know, out here in Oregon, and it surprises me, but every once in a while I see a Tesla in town, I'm just like... (laughs) what are you doing here? So people really, there really is a thing with Tesla and the brand. I think Elon is definitely part of that. People like being associated with that tribe because he's such a a genius, you know, one of our modern day. I think Tesla is They're They're pretty cool. Like I said, I feel like they have kind of that iPhone thing going, but they don't have the quality of an iPhone yet. Like if you talk to Tesla people, the, the vehicles aren't always, (laughs) always put together really well. Yep. Especially talking to people in Detroit, right? Cause didn't Detroit for many years, you couldn't even buy a Tesla in Michigan. Didn't they like just recently get rid of that? I thought it's I heard possible. that where like they wouldn't allow. Yeah. Cause of the yeah. big three, obviously they, they want and you now, to buy the, the cars now, they make dude, in that like state. GM and Ford are both just like, we're going fully electric by 20. I forget what it was like 2028 or something like that. So they're basically saying yeah. they're not going to have gas vehicles anymore. So, yeah, I think it'll be our lifetime, man. I think there there will come a day where the combustible engine will be uh, outlawed, and it'll definitely start in states like Oregon and California. Of course. You'll have to get these. 
You'll get these electric cars. What else do you have on the list? Well, Kurt? let's move into our, our did we co- did we cover what? everything? What else do you have on the list? The list. Um, the only other thing I wanted to chat about kind of moving into our faith section is I wanted to chat with you about, I watched a show on um, uh-huh. Hulu, which I recommend people watch, including Scott, because he, he didn't do his homework. Assignment he didn't, didn't watch, watch it. Because it. <laughs> it was two hours. It's and I was two like, hours yeah. long. Scott, Scott's, he's no, a busy not, guy. But, anyway. but I guarantee you, if you, if you give it time, okay. you'll enjoy it. But it's, it's called Glitch in the Matrix. And it obviously, or maybe not obviously, it caught Whoa. my attention because I'm a big Matrix yeah. guy, love the uh-huh. Matrix series. And, and also as a Christian, so the connection here to faith is I always felt like the Matrix was a great modern day um, example of the gospel. You know, Neo is a Christ figure. He's coming and, and opening people's eyes, waking them up to the, to the Matrix, that they're yeah. plugged in, the real world's apocalypse, and you're living in a fake world. I mean, there's so many ways that you can use that, and pastors mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. back they in the sure day. But this series, and it was like really interesting to me, it goes into this simulation theory. So some of you have heard of this, some of you have not. But the idea is that there are people in the world today who believe that we are living in a simulation, not, I assume most of them don't believe in a God or a higher power. So they're trying to make sense in the world. Like, why do things happen this way? Why does this, you know, why do I perceive the world this way? All this stuff. So literally it's two hours of these really smart guys, a few of them admit they were former Christians, you know, so they got some religious Mm -hmm. baggage, but it's so interesting to listen to people talk about things like, um, deja vu, you know, why do we experience deja vu? Right. Like why did, why do we arrive at something or like, I feel like I've been here before, you know, or they talk about like your purpose in life or, but, I'm not sure. Have you heard of simulation theory? Are you familiar with any of it? Uh, not, not really. I mean, I, I know people have talked about this kind of stuff forever. It's not like this is some new theory. I know I've heard people talk about it before, but to the level that you're talking about, no, I have not heard people talk about it. And to me, as soon as I hear it, I'm just kind of like, mm, okay. Uh, but <laughs> But I mean, it's, it's interesting that people, again, to me, it's just, uh, I was going to say it's a search for significance, but it's really, um, more Mm -hmm. about feeling insignificant when you think about it. It's, um, they're trying to, in their minds, if they're believing in this, it would tell me that they're, there's, they want to figure it out so that they feel significant. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. The, um, the thing, and again, maybe it'll interest you more as we talk about it, but the thing that I found like crazy in the show is they were talking out <clears throat> that there are people in the world. He's like, there's no way there's 8 billion people on the planet. He's like, that's just not the way. So he says there's like thousands mm-hmm. of people that live are real <laughs> yeah. human beings. Yeah, I know. And the rest of them are just NPCs. Like if you play a video game, any sort of simulation game where you're walking by and those people are programmed to fulfill a certain role. So you go to Starbucks, the barista gives you your coffee. She's not a real human being with her own life. She doesn't go home to a family and all those things. She just exists in that moment when you walked in there for you, like the Truman show. Have you ever seen the Truman show? Jim Carrey, like that's, they use that a lot in the show. And so, but, but where I wanted to lead the discussion is what's interesting to me is a lot of these theories 
is like reconstructing Christianity with different terms because they start going down this direction of there's a gamer that's playing us like we're we're in the game so we're in the simulation you and i are characters Mm -hmm. like in a game think of a game video game you played mario right we're mario and luigi walking through uh the world but there's gamers who are you know up in the sky or behind us however Mm -hmm. you want to term it and they're they're leading us through life they're we're partially in control but they're more in control of what happens in life and so for me I look at that and just nod my head because I'm like, okay, God's the gamer. Like there's someone behind you. There's someone who's sharing control with you in life, right? We walk through our lives. We have free will. There are things you and I choose in our day, but we also arrive at moments where there's things we didn't choose. You didn't choose uh, thyroid cancer. You, you know, you didn't choose, you know, necessarily, you know, certain things in your life. You don't, you don't have that choice you choose how you respond to it you choose you know so i don't know that to me i feel like when you get into philosophy and you get into some of these whether they're crazy ones or serious Mm -hmm. ones i feel like a lot of times people in that search for god are constructing in different terms a different way of saying the same thing the world is the world is a simulation in the sense that there are people there are choices there are you know you live it out but the level of which God is in control and involved is, is interesting it discussion. Definitely, from a Christian perspective, it definitely depends on what your theology is too. Because there's yeah. some people that believe like if you're a hardcore Calvinist, I would think that a lot of people would tell you, you know, you don't have any choices, right? If you're like hardcore Calvinist, you're just like, well, you know, my dad always tells me this story about a guy that he knew at work who was really strong Calvinist into Calvinism. And he'd say, you know, I didn't even have a choice. I was chosen. God just, he, you know, I, I didn't even, I wasn't even looking for the Lord. And yeah, he just made me do it. And I'm like, mm, yeah, no, but that's how I yeah. feel. Again, I said, I think it depends on your theology, but definitely, you know, again, to me, it just goes back to this idea that we want to feel like we have everything figured out. And as I get older, the more, especially, you know, even though I talked about the cancer and said, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. When you hear that word and you, you know, you come to this, when you start to think that your own mortality is about to be Dunsville, when you think, oh man, I'm going to die, you have a choice to make. You decide, you know, in the first few days, I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is how I'm going to die, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you really start to just get down and in the dumps and stuff. And then there was just a moment where I, you know, I was praying, I was crying, of course, because I was just like, you know, you think you're going to die, right? And um, I remember praying and just being like, God, why would you do this? And I just felt like when I I've just felt like I heard him say to me, like, you have a choice. You can either trust me or not. And I just said, all right, I'm going to trust you. I'm scared to death, but I'm going to trust you. And from that moment forward, God just, you know, the prayer, I remember the prayer that I prayed that day was like, Lord, just give me more faith, increase my faith. Cause I don't have enough right now. Like I, I want to mm-hmm. believe that you're going to take care of this, but my humanity thinks the worst. So you got to increase my faith. And he did every day. He, he made me have more faith. 
And so I think ultimately this whole thing where I'm going with this is I think ultimately uh, as I get older, the less I want to try and figure everything out. I'm not saying I don't want to be, I don't want to understand things, you know, when it comes to my faith. But I also like the idea of just like Jesus said, having the faith of a child. I think that faith is so huge and we're all of us want to be significant. We all want to feel like we know something that everybody else doesn't know or have figured something out that everybody else doesn't know the answer to. It feels good to know something or to share something with somebody and be like, hey, have you ever thought about this? And they're like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that before. It's fun to have those discussions. But a lot of times, you know, with with stuff like this where people think we're in a video game and somebody's playing us or whatever, I get it. Because there's a lot of things in life that we don't have the answers to. And the best way to, in our minds, like the way we think, it helps us to look at things that way, to be able to put them into a box. And again, as you get older and as you live out your life and as you get closer to God and as you learn things from him along the way, I just feel like you start to just go, it's almost like a roller coaster, man. You just strap in, throw your hands up in the air and enjoy the ride. I, I just feel like there's things that you're never going to figure out until someday you get to be mm. with Jesus. And then I don't even know if you'll care. That's the funniest part. Right. Like you are like, you know, when people talk about, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to ask Jesus about why this happens. And I'm like, I don't even think you're going to care. You know, like, it's hard for us to understand that, though, because we live here. We live in the now. We live in a place with brokenness and hurt and pain, and we all go through these things. I was just talking to Cheryl before we got together, and I was talking about, you know, the things that you remember in life. It seems to me the things that really hit you in life and you remember forever are the really sad things. Do you think that's true? Like, can you... If somebody was like, tell me stories about your life, there will be fun stories, but I bet you tons of them are things you went through that really hurt you or, or things that caused you sadness or, I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy. How do you, what do you think about that? No, I think that's true. The, I would just add to that. I would make it broader and say suffering, <clears throat> you know, we're always trying to avoid suffering in whether it's mental, physical, whatever. But when we look back over the course of our lives, the the moments where we hurt, the moments where we went through tough stuff, that is, that's what yeah. we remember. You you and I don't remember, you know, four years ago, we were sitting on the couch watching Netflix. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, so much of our life is we're just being entertained right. to death. And it's like, the important moments are the, the calls from a friend to find out they had cancer or they, you know, are going through something. I mean, absolutely. That's, I don't know. I think for me, the, I always challenge myself not to go to extremes. I've talked yeah. about that a lot on the podcast of the messy yeah. middle. And I think this is one of those conversations again, where it's like in the simulation thing, like we, we want to construct a world either a, where we have complete yeah. control like I can do whatever I want, no consequences, or, you know, if there are consequences, I can figure it out. Or we go to the other extreme where it's like, I'm not in control. I'm a robot. I'm a Calvinist. God just tells me what to do and I do it. And I think a, a, a well-rounded biblical Christian worldview says 
it's in between sure. those and it's really hard and gray and messy. There are times where I've felt like God has impressed something on me, whether that's through, you know, a decision I needed to be ma- that made or something he just was teaching me. And then there's a lot of seasons and a lot of things where I'm just freaking confused. Sure. And I feel like, God, where are you? And you see that in the Psalms, like there's a lot of that in the, the faith journey. So, so I think that again, like we keep saying, but it's like people who don't have a worldview or a, or a framework of Christianity, or they had it in the past and mm-hmm. it didn't work. They're like, chuck that, throw that baby out. Um, they start to build and construct something to give their life meaning and direction and purpose. And I feel like it's either, again, I'm fully not in control or I am fully yeah. in control. And that helps them. It helps them to wake up and be like, well, today I'm going to do and interact with people. And, and it's in this computer world, uh, the matrix, if you will, or it's, you know, the opposite where I'm the king of this world. That's everything is me. It's like, that's destructive as well. When we think it's all about us, we're the star in a movie or something. It's like, come on, we're not a star in a movie. One of the things I was going to say, I think that you're right about the middle thing because, um, when someone says, when, you know, when people say, well, is God in control or isn't he in control? I'm like, yeah, yeah both. (laughs) Uh, ultimately God can be in control of, of everything, meaning he can do anything he wants. He could make us do whatever he wants, but because of the fact that he loves us and wants a relationship with us, you don't, you don't have a loving relationship when someone forces you into a loving relationship. It has to happen naturally. There has to be free will. He loves us so much that he gives us the opportunity to make the choices that we want to make. But I do think that God can do anything he wants, right? That's the sovereignty of God. A lot of people will like, well, then did he make the planes fly into the trade center? No. (laughs) Yeah. Did he allow it? Maybe, I guess. Yeah. Technically he did allow it, but did he allow it so that, you know, it could make something amazing happen, you know, change people's minds and hearts or I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I do know. And I think this is where this simulation theory stuff really, if people wanted to look at it, biblically speaking, I would just say, you know, we live in a fallen world, man. Like this is just, everything's messed up. It's out of kilter with what God intended he didn't want this to happen. He knew it was going to happen, obviously. But like, you know, people get sick, people die, people get cancer, people do things they shouldn't do. There's things that happen that are, could God control those? Of course he could, but this, this is not, this is not the end is the way I would, would say too, is like, this is not the end. You know, we're here for such a short time really when you think about it and then eventually we're not <laughs> so it's it's so mm. deep every time you know again another thing that happens as we get older Kurt is we're just seeing people you know I'm sure you've had friends and relatives that have passed away you just start to really think about these things because life is really short you know we're talking about we met when you were 18 19 years old and that was 21 years ago, dude. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago. Life no. goes really fast. I know when you're younger, 
and of course you you experience this because you're in student ministry when you're at that age it feels like oh my gosh when am I gonna be 21 or what you know you're always wishing for that <laughs> next age yeah and now I'm like holy crap I'm gonna be 50 in like two minutes it just feels like it goes by so <laughs> fast like Every time Monday comes along, you know, like, especially when I was in my 20s, I remember you're at a job and you're like, oh, Monday. <sighs> and you'd think that week would take forever to get to Friday. You'd be like, oh, my gosh, please, Friday. And now I feel like I wake up on Monday, go to bed, and then it's Friday. <laughs> it's like so fast. So true. I don't know where I'm going with this, except for life is short. The, the the simulation is going it faster. Is. The the gamer has turned up the difficulty level. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it's good as believers to be aware of you know these things. I, I love these conversations. I love philo- uh, philosophy. I love world religions. I even like learning about cults, you know, and why people get drawn into you know Scientology or whatever. Um, why I do just, you think that I, is? I find that stuff. Why do you fascinating. think that is? Why do people get drawn yeah. into cults? Because they want uh, they want meaning yeah. in their life and they want it easy. They want someone to tell them, you know, for all the freedom, you know, this world, again, we won't go far into this, but like politically or just the way the world's going, everybody wants freedom, right? They want a free, I am my own person. I live the way I want. But I think in cult situations, you see the other reality that people really want to just be told, what do I do? Just tell me what to do. How can I, how can I make you and this group of people like me? And I think given the opportunity, most people, uh, exist in that world, whether it's a friend group or a job, they find their identity by their, who their boss says they are and what he tells them to do. So that's, I think it's really as simple as that as we, we want something. You see that with the Israelites, you know, when they, they made the golden calf and things, right? Like we, we want something we can touch with our hands and see with our eyes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we want a God of our own making so that we feel safe and controlled. And I think, I think cults offer that, you know, they get weird and crazy. Why do people do all the crazy things they do in a cult? Well, they're doing it to earn favor with the leader. They think the leader is going to love them or, you know, give them benefits if they do all these crazy things. So I think this goes back to, and really you, you said the right word in there at one point. Again, this goes back to the significance thing is it's the identity. You want to have an identity. It's like, that's why, you'll see people who, you know, uh, like just for instance, uh, soccer, like on the world stage, you'll see people go to pubs and stuff all over America early in the morning to watch, uh, the British football soccer teams play. They want to have an identity. They want to have something in common with other people. They want to be connected. It's about connectedness and their identity is wrapped up in these things. And that's why as believers, it's so important to understand that our identity is in Christ. And it takes forever for us to get that completely. And we won't get it completely here on earth. But I mean, I just think about how long I've been involved in church and how long I've been a believer and how hard it's been for me to understand who I am in Jesus. It takes a long time. Some people get it because they have those like conversions and they're like, 
I used to do crack and I was an alcoholic prostitute and now Jesus loves me. And they're like, you know, on fire from the get go. But some people like me grew up in church and, you know, you've just been part of that system for so long. It takes you forever to like kind of surrender yourself to, to Jesus completely. It's a process. I know that's going to scare people. Sorry, the process. Um, (laughs) But yeah, man, this is like, it's a journey. There are, you'll meet, I always used to be really jealous of the people who had those like conversions where just like, you know, they were like the worst human beings in the world. And then all of a sudden they're just like, I love Jesus. And they're all over the place, like spreading the gospel. But there's something to this idea too, of just this journey. Sometimes you got to go on this really long journey of, of experiencing and getting to know Jesus and him changing things inside of your heart and in your mind. And it's good for, do you like that little whistle I have in my nose? I've got a little (laughs) nose whistle. You're what you're saying makes me think of a great book by Eugene Peterson, a guy I love. He says, uh, a long obedience in the same direction. And that that's the Christian faith. You know, it's like we, we want it to be this big moment, but I would argue (laughs) that people who have that dramatic conversion experience, you fast forward five years, 10 years, you know, we, we don't, we don't often follow those people. We see the big testimony, but I can tell you, I've, I've seen and walked that journey through churches where they have that moment. And then three years later, they fall back or they go into something else or they leave the church. You know, it's, it's a reality because again, life is messy. It's two steps forward, three steps back. And And we're, no, I like what you said. It's a journey that right now. And I know I don't want to go off on a total tangent, but I will tell you, I think that especially in the church right now, we're seeing so many people who are, um, I don't want to say completely falling away, but there are a lot of Christian people that have basically said, you know, I realize that I don't really want to be a part of this, who were like leaders in the faith. And I think we're seeing a falling away in the church of people who are, um, and I don't want to offend anybody, but like, I think there's, there's drawbacks on both sides, just like you said, you know, there's people that are really conservative and then there's people that are really progressive, but I think there's some really crazy things that happen in the name of progressive Christianity that I'm seeing a lot of people fall away from faith and it's, it's sad. It's really sad to see. And I think we're seeing, I feel like we're seeing more people do that than we ever have before in my lifetime. I don't know about you, but I just keep hearing these people either that were involved in, you know, Christian music or pastors or leaders in the church who are now like basically just like, you know what? I don't think I really want to be a part of this. And you're just like, wow, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see. It makes me really sad. Yeah, I think the church was dealt a, a two, you know, one two punch with the pandemic and the election yeah. stuff. I mean, I really feel like that has affected because churches notoriously can be political and have that 
intertwined. And then you add to that the pandemic where people in most states couldn't go to church for like eight to 10 months. Um, I think that even the church I work at now, a great church, small, small town, um, there's still a lot of people that I've yet to meet and people Mm -hmm. that they say, oh, this person was leading this ministry or running that. And it's like you're saying, they just are not interested because life moved on. They're now volunteering in another area or they're not, you know, they're doing church from the couch. They're, they're comfortable. They got little kids and they're like, why would we go to a building where we could get sick? So I think it's a real one-two punch where you've got this political aspect and you've also got the um, just the practical nature of once you're relationally not with a group of people, I think they just tend to move away. If they didn't stay connected um, on Zoom or texting or, you know, parties or, you know, connecting individually, then they fell away to use yeah, that term. They're not so, connected anymore. And if you don't have that, I think, man, it's very easy for for bad things to happen. And I think just like you said to the political atmosphere in the American church is it's really bad, man, because we have so much division in our country and we've allowed that to become normal in church. And I'm totally guilty of it. Like if somebody's listening to this and knew me mm-hmm. on Facebook, they listen, I'm sorry for all the stuff I did. I, I, have conservative political values, but, um, I was a jerk, man. Um, I, I bought into all that divisiveness and I'm sad that I did that because it, it, it affected relationships, but the church somehow we have to, as the church universal have to figure out how to be the, uh, we got to figure out how to be together on this stuff, like, and not let these political divides and racial divides and things tear us apart. We can't be like the world. That's part of the problem is we've let ourselves get too far deep into this stuff. And the truth is it really doesn't matter. I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter. I know that there's still things that happen that I'll see on the news sometimes and, and my little political thing will go and try to pop up. And I'm like, no, <laughs> don't get into this. It's hard. It's really hard because of the age in which we live to social media and that stuff, man. It's so bad. It's so bad. Hmm. Well, thank God we have podcasts like this where we can throw some good into the world and maybe not, uh, not add to the negativity, but try to draw people towards some, you know, cultural stuff and fun stuff and also mix in some faith there. Divide so this podcast this has been like four parts. I'm it's funny you said that because I literally am like, I think we're gonna do this in two instead of one big mega it's podcast. Like an hour and but, 45 uh, minutes we've been talking. It's great though. I think people eat it up. You're a fun guy to talk to. And, um, this has been really good. I hope you've enjoyed it. And yeah, now you got to give me like one more fart or a little, uh, drop to end us out. You got to do this. Hey everybody. Thanks what for you tuning that you in to the cultured Christian podcast. This is Scotty <laughs> D on your microphone. Talk with Kurt Bradabill. He's a uh, really put a good podcast out. Everybody make sure you subscribe and like it. Hey, do me a favor. Leave a little comment and, uh, tell everybody about the podcast. How's that? 
how can they find you? That's great. If they if they're jiving with you, they're vibing with you to use the kid language. What um what how do they find you? How how can they see your lame uh, lions tweets uh, and stuff? Don't follow me on social media. Uh oh, you don't no. want that. There's no point. I don't post anything. Okay. Do I don't I just basically retweet okay. like if there's something I like by the lions or something? Um That's true. And I'm not active on Facebook anymore. I'm on there just so I can see people, but I don't. You're the lurking yeah, Facebook guy. I don't do guy. anything on Facebook. I am going to get back into the podcast world pretty soon. We'll see how that goes. Nice. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, we'll, ha- we'll have to do an update in the future once you get your new thing up. You don't want them to see your old stuff on no, YouTube they can, they can then? Look at you it don't want to go back to, to past? I don't care. There's awesome. like, hey, we're talking is still so, up, I think. I don't know. Maybe I made all those go away. I don't remember. <laughs> and you can't get them anywhere because the guy, they were up on a site. And I was like, hey, make sure you give me the info for that before it lapses. And it lapsed and then they erased all of them. Ooh, I that's know. not cool. So they could look at, hey, we're talking. All but right. Well, well uh, other than that. See if am you can I, find it. We've given them I, a it's little Scotty D scavenger on Twitter hunt. or am I? It's Scotty Detroit. I can't remember. Instagram, you, I think, is it's Scotty Detroit. Know. And then. Uh, What's your TikTok? <laughs> Are do you, you do any dancing me? on TikTok? No, I'm an old man. I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> and I'm not on, what's the other one? Snapchat. I don't do that. Basically, I just have a Twitter. All right that I don't do anything with an Instagram where I'll post like pictures of verses. <laughs> I don't even post pictures. You're that guy in the yeah. simulation, the Bible verse, uh, Instagram yeah. guy. You're an NPC. Are you even real? Is this an NPC? I'm talking. To? I don't know. Wouldn't that be cool if there was an NPC that was as awesome as I am? <laughs> Wouldn't you think that they would be, I would be boring right. if I was an NPC. What does NPC know. stand for? They the can way? be, non-playable character so <laughs> you're like just the guys uh, in, you're just the program like the guys guy in grand theft auto GTA. that you would like run over and they'd be like yep. hey run over <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun to talk All about right, by the way that's gonna be the wrap we're gonna wrap it here thanks guys if you couldn't tell guys like scott and i we could have went on for another hour or so we actually did end recording and talked for another 30 minutes offline there but you know these episodes do have to be a certain length and i hope you enjoyed over the past two episodes my conversation with scott i hope to get him back on the podcast for a future discussion because he is just a wealth of knowledge and fun And there's just uh, a lot of reason why we'd love to have him back on the podcast. And so if you like what you heard today, be sure and hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. As always, we hope that you enjoyed this and all of our episodes on the Cultured Christian Podcast. Like and interact with us on our Instagram and Facebook page. Lastly, if you have feedback or topic ideas, email us at culturedchristians at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you in the next one.